global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are trading lower, bouncing along the bottom on this Thursday afternoon. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. Here he is, Bill Maloney. Good afternoon, Charlie. That's right. U.S. stocks are under pressure today on this busy day for earnings. Dow is currently down 125 points. S&P dropped 13 and Nasdaq declines 28. The small cap 600 is down 6 points and the U.S. 10 yield at 1.56%. 8 out of 10 S&P sectors are lower, led by losses in industrials, materials, and energy. Only utilities and healthcare gained. Dow transports drop 1.4%. NASA Biotech's outperform rise 20 points. And the VIX is higher by 11%. Dow leaders to the downside included Intel, American Express, and Nike. Fractional gains for Caterpillar, McDonald's, and Microsoft. Southwest Airlines plunged 11% after its results, while eBay surged as much as 12.3% after its earnings. And finally, some of the names reporting after the bell tonight include Starbucks, AT&T, Visa, Chipotle, and Schlumberger. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? Okay, thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over here, Bloomberg type squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, squawk on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Mario Draghi, the European Central Bank and interest rate policy to stimulate the economies of Europe. Here to tell us more is Dirk Jan Epping. He is a journalist and a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research. He can be followed on Twitter at DJEPPINK. And he also happens to be the author of a book entitled Empire of Little Kings Inside the European Parliament. Dirk, thanks very much for spending time with us. Thank you for having me. Now, it, just before we get into Mario Draghi and the yes. European Central Bank and so on, it, just give people a snapshot of what is it like to actually work inside the European Parliament. What would be, is there an anecdote or a story that best describes the, because I've read the book and yes. I note that, you know, there are a couple sort of idiosyncrasies, like try getting elected as a member of the European Parliament from a country of which you are not a native. That's a yes, bit that's, of a challenge. Uh, that's actually yeah? what I did. I was yeah. the first Dutchman. Uh, to be elected in Belgium for the European Parliament. And legally spoken, it's possible because the European Parliament even supports uh, that sort of uh, legislation to get elected in another country. Uh, but, of course, with all these different cultures, it's very difficult uh, to get elected. You have to, first of all, speak the language. And secondly, you have to live there for quite some time to show people that you are part of their world. And to actually show the them. police. I was going to say show the police that well, you're part yes, of the world Well, yes, actually, I had to show the police in Belgium that I was really living in, in Belgium, that I had a home there. Uh, so it's uh, altogether, it's not uh, not easy. You, for example, a Dutchman elected in Belgium is, is, is difficult. I think it would be impossible for a, a German to get a German to get elected in, in Holland or for, for somebody from Ireland to get elected in the United Kingdom, or somebody from Spain to get elected in Portugal. So there, there are in general 750 members of the European Parliament, but only a few of them are re-elect, really elected uh, in a country which is not the country of their nationality. You had to change your accent. Yes, because, uh, you know, uh, Dutch and Flemish are basically the same language, but there is a difference in intonation, which you would also find in the United States between a New Yorker and somebody from Tennessee or from Texas. 
Uh, so if as, if as a New Yorker you want to be elected in Texas or you would have a constituency in Tennessee, you have to slightly adapt your, your accent. And the same thing you have to do in, uh, in Europe because if a New Yorker like uh, Trump wants to get elected in, in Tennessee and he sounds like Trump, then people will say, well, he's not really from here. Um, is he part of us? So you get questions, whereas you have to get their votes. So you have to create confidence. Talking about votes, uh, what has been your reaction to the uh, vote in the United Kingdom to leave the European Union? Well, there's something I really feared that would happen, uh, because in the end uh, the, the, the British were mobilizing all their celebrities uh, to get the Remain side to win. And I thought when they have to do that all the time, something is wrong there. And particularly I was very worried about the vote of, uh, of uh, lower-income uh, people and voters uh, because the driving force of that election, or that referendum rather, was, was, uh, was immigration. And although the British have their own immigration system, they got their borders, they are not part of an open space of free circulation of people, uh, they uh, were under the impression that this flow of people that came to Europe last year as over uh, 2 million to Germany only would uh, finally also come to the UK. Uh, and so immigration was really the driving force that drove the British out of the EU. The European Union and the European Central Bank. Yeah. They don't always seem to see eye to eye, do they? Well, you see, the Euro European Central Bank is part of the uh, European Union. It's one of the institutions. Uh, but the Eurozone, I always com uh, compare the Eurozone to somebody buying a second-hand car. Uh, because if you look at the countries, there are different philosophies on money. There are different philosophies on budget, economic thinking, budgetary thinking. Uh, so it is not an optimal currency zone. And if a second-hand card starts leaking, uh, something is not working, and you have to muddle through and try to repair here, fix there, another problem comes up, and that is basically uh, the uh, Eurozone. Unfortunately, I have to say, we should have started initially with a smaller group, more coherent, and then other countries could have joined when ready. We didn't do that. We started with all of us. Everybody wanted to join, and now we have this problem. Do you foresee that Mario Draghi's policy of bond buying and uh, stimulus, will it actually work? Um, not really. Uh, in, I, in the European Parliament, I was member of the Economic and Monetary Committee. I asked him very often, you know, this QE is now going to work because you're going to do it. You're not going to taper anytime soon, I understand. Uh, what he tries to do is to keep the euro as a currency on its feet. Uh, with a zero interest rate and with QE. Uh, that is the thing he can do because if not, if, if there would be a high interest rate uh, and there would be uh, not enough liquid means on the market, then basically uh, many banks would get into trouble and uh, uh, in institutions as well. And I always compare the Eurozone also to if, if the United States, you have a dollar and you would have a, uh, a monetary union with Canada, that would work. But if you then ask ask uh, Mexico to join would already be difficult. If you then ask Venezuela to join, I can assure you it will be a disaster. Thank you very much for coming in and spending time with us. Dirk Jan Epping, journalist, senior fellow, London Center for Policy Research, and the author of Empire of Little Kings, Inside the European Parliament. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by Witham Smith & Brown CPAs. Audit tax advisory services to help your business be in a position of strength. Experience the Witham way by visiting witham.com.